You're listening to For the Love of Avocados, a podcast by Mission Produce. With almost four decades of fresh avocado experience, we're here to guac about tips and tricks, avocado farming, marketplace trends, and everything in between. So without further ado, let's get right to it. Hello and welcome to the 11th episode of For the Love of Avocados, For the Love of the 2021 Consumer. I'm your host today, Patrick Cortez. And for this episode, we'll be taking a look at consumer behavior in 2021, specifically within produce and trends that we're seeing and and what we expect to see in 2022. And then also what we've witnessed with the rise and the increase in inflation. And in my opinion, no better person to have this conversation with than Matt Britton. He is the founder and CEO of Suzy. We actually are a client of Suzy, as is over half of the Fortune 500 companies. Chipotle, uh, who was a big customer for us here at Mission Produce, swears by Suzy. And uh, they are a real-time market research platform. And uh, Matt has established himself and his company as the leading expert when it comes to the new consumer generations Y and Z. Uh, he's the author of the best-selling book, Youth Nation. And uh, he joins us now on the program. Matt, appreciate the time. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. And thanks for the kind words. Yeah, sure. Of course. And, and I know I just touched on it briefly, but why don't you give us a little bit more of a background in terms of how you arrived, you know, going to Boston, you were you are a terrier to where you are today running Susie. Yeah, I mean, it's a very long and windy road, as most people's careers are, to where I got to today. But the quick Reader's Digest version, if you will, is I started off uh, my career as a nightclub promoter uh, when I was a college student, handing out flyers, getting uh, local college students to attend uh, local events. And I was really inspired just by the notion of trying to impact people's behaviors and, you know, how to actually uh, motivate them to do something that they wouldn't otherwise do. And that got me into the game of marketing to the youth audience, started an agency out of college called the Magma Group, which helped a lot of the early dot-com companies target teens and college students because they were the early adopters of the internet, companies like uh, Lycos and Yahoo and eBay. And uh, I sold that company to a company in New York where I worked for a couple of years. And I went off my own again and started a company called Mr. Youth, which is really the first sort of large-scale marketing services agency that embraced the internet to target teens and college students. Uh, We were fortunate enough to be in the kind of youth marketing game when Facebook was invented in 2004. I personally sold the first ads ever to exist on Facebook and ended up rebranding our agency as MRY, becoming one of the first ever social media marketing agencies, so helping big companies establish themselves on social media. And throughout that process, actually created a software platform called CrowdTap. Uh, which was really imagined to help companies manage bloggers and influencers, spun out CrowdTap. And after um, MRY was acquired, I rejoined as CEO as CrowdTap in 2016. And through a series of customer feedback and listening um, to our audience, came to the conclusion that we needed to pivot that business. Uh, and that's where the idea of Suzy was born. And we launched Suzy in 2018. And the rest was history. So lots of spinoffs, pivots, acquisitions, all sorts of stuff, um, you know, throughout my career to get to where I am today. You know, Matt, it's it, now I see why Radio Inc. called you the modern day Don Draper. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've never been called a modern day anything or Don Draper for that matter. So uh, you, you've definitely like a long and winding road is definitely a good way to put it. So with that, let's let's dive into the conversation a little bit. We've spent so much time as as companies that are trying to market 
and brand to this this younger consumer. So I don't want to dive too much into that as as opposed to overlay it to what we're seeing now. And and I, I want to do continue to relate it to produce and food and and just trends as it relates to consumerism. When you look at the pandemic and we've had a lot of conversation about where dollars are going now. Yeah. Give us a quick snapshot in your mind of sort of the big two or three takeaways of trends that we've seen in 2021 as I think we've now shifted as a society to living with the pandemic and, yeah. and things that 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 you believe have become less trends maybe and more just new ways the of new normal cons- if you will. exactly yeah <laughs> so i think there's really two major trends that came out of the pandemic that are here to stay the first of which is the notion that online grocery delivery um, is something that was for a long time very hard for consumers to adapt and understand. Many consumers would say, I want to touch and feel my produce. You know, I want to go into a supermarket. And then during the pandemic, they were forced to embrace um, online delivery uh, with platforms like Instacart. And what many of them quickly realize is that it saves them time and some of it saves them money. And even as the world started to slightly reopen and then close and reopen again, many consumers did indeed stick uh, with online grocery delivery as their new way to get groceries. And that's obviously a sea change for so many um, you know, manufacturers and, um, and producers of, of, of products in the sector because they can no longer rely on the relationships with large distributors. They can no longer rely on maybe the power as much of their packaging or their merchandising because it's a whole new world in the digital environment. So that would definitely be number one. Um, and I think the second change is just that cooking at home became in vogue again. I think for, we saw a shift since 1950, every single year of less and less consumers consuming food um, in the home and more and more consumers consuming food outside of the home. And that could be either at a restaurant or at work, but anywhere but home. And then when the pandemic hit, we saw a sharp reversal of that 50-year trend where all of a sudden consumers were consuming food almost exclusively at home. And with that came, you know, their desire to start to learn how to cook again and how to prepare their own food and how to actually understand the, um, the power of the health benefits of cooking for yourselves. And then with that became a whole kind of cottage industry of, of new appliances and investments that people are making both in the home and in the kitchen. So I think those are really the two major trends that are here to stay. And obviously they're seismic shifts for the industry. Okay, so that's an interesting point. You bring up point number one about the shift to online groceries. And I know my wife and I have just started doing it simply out of the sheer fact of laziness. So, you know, we, we right. feel pretty safe going into a grocery store, but it's what have we been missing all this time where we can order it online on the app and somebody brings it to your car in two minutes. It's the greatest thing ever. Yeah, we've seen the likes of Amazon start to slowly incorporate brick and mortar more traditional type grocery stores. Yep. And again, we've also seen traditional retailers start to build distribution centers solely to manage their online delivery business. Right. Do right. you think we will see a trend of less and less brick and mortar Kroger's, Walmart's, whatever the case may be, because of what you outlined? So it's going to change. It, it's it's going to be an evolution, not a revolution. I think, you know, you correctly identified what we call in the industry omni-channel, which is 
you're not just selling online, you're not just selling in store, you're selling in both. Um, and with that, we've seen um, an incredible boom of something called uh, BOPIS, which is buy online, pick up in store, where many consumers, you know, want the instantaneous, instant gratification of being able to actually have the food exactly when they want it and actually touch and feel it to bring it home versus having getting it delivered, but they don't want to wander through the aisles. So with that, you know, companies like Walmart and Target and even um, QSRs like Starbucks and Chipotle a company who's done a masterful job on the digital front have created this omni channel approach where you can order online, you can pick up in store, you can just pick up in store, you can order online and return it in store, um, you know, for, for, you know, the, the non-consumable. So I think those are all, you know, really uh, appealing um, offerings to the consumer because it gives them flexibility and choice. What I don't think is really an option anymore for most businesses if they want to thrive with this new consumer is not having a, a, a really strategic and, you know, highly useful online presence for the consumer. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I think it also plays into this new consumer. But then also, look, you and I are roughly the same age. Consumers that are in in, in our demographic simply for the ease of use. I've got three small kids at home. And if I need to make a target run or whatever the case is, the idea that somebody brings it to me or pick up in store, like you talk about, or I can order my Chipotle and walk right in, grab it and leave. I mean, that's a whole different way of delivering to the consumer that is, is definitely going to be here to stay. Now, yep. along those lines, you also mentioned the biggest hurdle was probably produce as it relates to a grocery store because of this condition that we've done to the consumer of, I want to touch and feel, yeah. I want to look at my berries, I want to look at my, I want to feel the ripeness of my avocados that I'm getting from Mission Produce. Will that hurdle be overcome because of a convenience factor, because of a trust factor, because of all of it or more? How, how, how do we solve that? Really all of the above, because if you think about it, the notion of I want to touch and feel my product before I purchased it really used to impact every category. Um, you know, there was a time when people in the fashion industry said consumers will never buy apparel online because they want to be able to go into a store and try it on first. They will never buy sneakers online because they want to be able to try them on first and see how they feel. That's right. We both know that that's not the case. Now, even vehicles are being purchased online. So, I think every category is going to be transformed if even if they haven't already by digital, because to your point, it, it's, I don't know if laziness is the right term. I think the one thing we can't create more of um, as humans is time. Yep. Right. So I think ultimately anything, that's why Uber took off, right? You hit a button and, and the car just shows up. Anything that saves consumers time is going to win in the end because we have all of busy lives and, and, and our time seems to be getting compressed. And if something can save consumers time, um, they're going to value it, uh, value it in some ways, even more than saving them money, uh, obviously, depending upon their um, socioeconomic um, you know, place in the world. But I think that's especially in America, that that's something that consumers seem to be valuing more and more. Sure. Time, time is definitely the one commodity that is probably the most precious. I will say, though, that at least as it relates to me in my life, laziness does play a factor as well. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we can, we continue our conversation with Matt, Matt Britton, the CEO and, and founder of, of Suzy. And, and you talked about the socioeconomic space and that's, I think a good transition into inflation, which I wanted to talk about. And I want to throw out some stats here. Uh, U S Bureau of labor statistics said for the 12 months ending October, 2021, 
The consumer price index rose 6.2% highest in 30 years. According to IRI, fresh produce prices up 9%, 11% in avocados, and those prices are up 19% in October alone. Now, we also did some Susie questions. Uh, your company, over the last few months, 52% of shoppers report they've been spending more on groceries, 21% saying their spending has increased significantly. We asked that same question in July. It was 41% and 15% respectively when we polled the Susie crowd. So we are seeing the effects. They're real. Yep. What sort of impact do you think this might play? I've read a lot of articles, Matt, that talk about the, the Gen Y and Z consumer being more emotional, cause-based when it comes to spending their dollar. Right. Is that going to put this to the test? It will, because I think, you know, it's easy for consumers to kind of stand um, on their moral high compass in the economic boom. Um, when interest rates are at record lows, um, when products are being shipped from China um, at the quality in which we'd never imagined 10 to 15 years ago and the impact of globalization, it allows consumers to then get choosy about, okay, I know all this food's great, but I'm going to pick food that actually um, has the most sustainable packaging and the most sustainable approach, et cetera. But when costs are rising and consumers are faced with, okay, now I have to actually choose between this product or that product because I can't afford both because the prices have gone up so much, it actually changes their ability to have those choices. And, you know, every young consumer has lived a life where they've never really had to face a real economic downturn. Right. Um, the last true economic downturn we had uh, was in, you know, 2008, which is now 13 uh, plus years ago. And now, you know, COVID was, a, was originally a blip of an economic downturn, but, you know, more so the, the economy has been rising. People don't realize that in 1980, the interest rates on a mortgage were 18%, that's right. right? And that's what we now we pay for credit card uh, interest. So we are, we, we've lived the benefit of globalization, buying um, products incredibly um, cheaply, and that goes to things like travel, et cetera. And it's given this young generation sort of the mindset that I can afford anything because things are so affordable on, on Amazon and, you know, at, or at Walmart. And that in my opinion, is all about the change. So I think we're going to have to really reframe the consumer, the choices they really have, and ultimately what they can afford. Okay, so along those lines, I saw a talk you gave where, where you brought up, and I thought it was very apropos, where you mentioned the Gap $100 jeans. Yep. And then you talked about how you can buy Lee jeans for 50 bucks. You can buy the designer jeans for much more because those are the two segmentations. The barbell economy. Exactly. Basically. That's yes. exactly right. Do you feel that barbell is going to get squeezed on the luxury end? And, and, and also, too, I will say this. I felt this was going to happen in produce. When the, when the pandemic hit, I was adamant. I said people are going to be less likely to buy one avocado for 99 cents than they would buy six or seven bananas for a dollar. That didn't prove out to be true at the beginning of the pandemic. Will we see that barbell economy shift a little bit with that no. luxury? No. I actually think the barbell will even grow further apart. I think the impact of inflation is going to drive further wealth disparity. Because if you think about it, if you are a consumer that you know is is on the lower end of you know the economic you know spectrum, you don't have the ability to kind of hedge against inflation. So right. you don't have savings. So so there's nothing you can do with your capital. You can't buy real estate. You can't buy commodities like gold, which are hedges. What's going to happen to you is that the money you get from your paycheck every single week is going to just be worth less. Where 
inflation actually can be a beneficiary to people who are wealthy, who can actually take that capital and they can invest in real estate or they can invest in commodities, which will rise with the cost of inflation. So what that's going to do is just drive further wealth disparity. And the, the, you know, the luxury consumer is going to be able to spend even more. And then the consumer on the lower end of the spectrum is going to struggle even more. And this is a trend that we've been seeing throughout this country for the last 20 years. And unfortunately, I think inflation is something that only accelerates it further. And, you know, it's going to be up to brands and company on them to figure out how they're going to address both groups. Okay. But what about, so, so we're here in LA, Ventura County, you're in Brooklyn, New York. Uh-huh. What about the flyover States? I mean, you know, we, the, a lot of our business, a lot of our avocados ship to the Midwest, to Iowa, to, to Chicago land where they're not on either end of the barbell. They're right stuck in the middle, and now they're paying four fifty a dollar for gas. If if they want to buy a home, home home prices are double digits and continuing to climb. Sure, they're not giving away free money to refinance your home like they used to. Does the barbell become more exaggerated on the two ends then? We may have two different definitions of barbell. The way I define the barbell economy is that there is a thriving um, appetite for luxury products and goods. And there's a growing appetite for value products and goods and anything that stays in the middle is going to really struggle. Um, And that really is regardless of where you live. Now, middle America obviously has been in a lot of trouble because what's happened with globalization is, you know, so many manufacturing jobs have been outsourced and offshored and it's eliminated jobs in, in those flyover states. What may come out of inflation, which could help, you know, the middle America is we may start producing more and more things at home. And, you know, we may start opening up factories again at home because we saw, you know, the impact of the supply chain and, and, you know, we have weakening relations with China. And because of all that, we may actually see more of a boom in middle America, not a boom, but more of a recovery in that. So um, that's just something to think about. It's obviously, it's a whole nother podcast discussion, but ultimately it's about the luxury versus value sector in terms of where the growth is. Got it. Okay. So Matt Britton, CEO and founder of Suzy couple more things, Matt, and then we'll let you go. This is, like you said, I could, I could talk about this for the next two hours. Food service. Over the last five years in avocados, the food service trend has gone through the roof. I mean, yep. Chipotle bills themselves as a chicken and avocado company. Uh, you, you can get avocados from Denny's to fast food restaurants. Yep. And now we're seeing a shift because of the pandemic. Yeah, we've seen some of it come back. What do you see as you look towards people eating out, restaurant trends, and what we could expect to see here as some yeah, shifts? Yeah, it's a great question. Well, so if you think about it, there's three main ways consumers eat food. They either cook at home, they order in, right, or they dine out. And ultimately, I think what many people don't understand when they look at future trends is, as we spoke about earlier, there's still only going to be 24 hours a day and you're still only having three meals in a day. So if something's growing, it's got to come at the expense of something else that's shrinking, right? During the pandemic, what we saw is a massive boom in online um, delivery, uh, you know, both with like groceries, but obviously with like uh, the grub hubs of the world and the Uber Eats of the world sure. as consumers start to order more and more from restaurants. And then we've obviously saw during the pandemic, a boom in people cooking at home. And both of those growth areas came at the expense of people eating at restaurants because restaurants were closed and they couldn't. So the question is, when restaurants, and they already are, open back up, what actually does that come at the expense of? Are consumers going to go back to restaurants? And if they do, what's that going to come at the expense of? 
My belief is that we're going to see a little bit of a barbell in the food service realm where you're going to see more and more consumers wanting to go to restaurants, wanting to socialize, wanting to have that connection. And they're going to stay with that demand of cooking at home because they realize the health and cost benefits of doing so. And all of it's going to come actually at the expense of food delivery, you know, fast food delivery, the Grubhub seamless of the world. So I actually think that's the area, the DoorDash is a world that are incredibly overvalued right now, yep. because I think consumers are going to say, I'm either going to cook at home or I'm going to go to a restaurant, but I'm not going to order in from restaurants anymore. I think that's going to be the change we're going to see. Oh, that's interesting. So the, the, the largest sector that was hit in food service was the high-end white tablecloth. You think that could have a resurgence? I do. I do. Yeah. I really do. I think that consumers are, you know, they have such a thirst for experience and personal connection and human connection right now. And a restaurant is a main way that they, that they achieve that. Yeah. So I think that comes back. I think leisure travel comes back. The one area of travel that I don't think is going to come back, which will have impact on food service is business travel. I think business travel has changed forever. Oh, see, now you dangle that carrot in front of me and I want to go. Well, you'll have to path. have me back. I'm going to have to because <laughs> business travel is, is a main component of my job. And, and I'm fascinated by that whole topic. So yeah, that, that'll be it for another time. Quickly, before we let you go, look into your crystal ball, whether it's cloudy, broken, or clear as crystal. Give me one or two things you expect to see in 2022 in terms of trends uh, with, with generations Y and Z and, and as, the, as we continue to live with the pandemic. Well, I think one of which is you are going to see a dramatic resurgence um, of, of leisure travel for consumers, but I think it's going to be highly domestic. I think that international travel is really going to struggle. I think with inflation is going to come the rising cost of, of fuel. And with that, I think more and more consumers are going to be doing Airbnbs. I think they're, they're already, there's already a huge surge in the demand on, on vehicles. So I think you're going to see more and more consumers traveling, but they're going to be traveling domestically. And I think that's going to be a huge uh, boom for next year. And I think the second one is, and this is more on the gloomy side, I do think we are in for a sustained economic downturn in America. I think that what we, what this country did during the pandemic is essentially give us Band-Aid after Band-Aid after Band-Aid, but we never really cured the original injury that happened to the country as a result of the pandemic. And I think ultimately that's something that we need to go through and it's not going to be pretty. Um, and I think we will be better for it on the other side. But I think businesses need to prepare for consumers having less discretionary expenditures and having to make way more choices than they have in the past. Wow. Thanks for that. Uh... That closing gloomy sentiment, like you mentioned. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Matt Britton, the CEO and founder. Hopefully I'm wrong, right? Well, but it makes sense. It's logical. At some point, right, when you put your finger in the dam to plug up one hole, other holes are going to open up. And, and I think I, I don't disagree with you at all. So, Matt Britton, thank you so much for the time. Again, the, the, the founder of, of Suzy. We really appreciate it. And uh, we hope to have you on the show down the line. Thanks for having me.